The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and welcome to our new season of Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. I think this is season three or four or five. They just keep coming back, episode number one. So what's the buzz today? Well, the buzz today is a quote from Bob Willett, former president of Best Buy International and the CIO of Best Buy. And here's the quote. The sooner we drop the E out of e-commerce and just call it commerce, the better. Aha. So let's talk about that. Many retailers have made great strides in becoming digital and doing business online in the past, oh, let's say 15 or so years. But focusing on clicks versus bricks, don't you love the poetry in that click versus brick, may shortchange their in-store customer experience. And guess what? For many retailers, in-store accounts for up to 98% of total sales. Just let that sink in for a second. That's beyond the majority of their sales. That's beyond the lion's share. That's almost the whole enchilada, as some people say. So how are retailers staying innovative and relevant enough to successfully compete online if they want to make that just as much of a breadwinner for them, a bottom-line activity, as their brick-and-mortar? Some traditional transactional stores are taking on new roles. Think about Tesla. They have a showroom-only experience. Apple and Williams-Sonoma are two that have started training in their stores, mini schools, if you will. So where can retailers turn for ideas and support? You've got to be innovative, creative. You've got to think ahead of the game. Think about what your competitors are doing. Think about what your industry is doing. What does the world want? Meeting your customers and your prospects where they are, not just where you want to. To be. So the answer to this is looked at smart startups. Which startups? Who are they? Where are they? What do they offer you? Well, the experts speak. And right now I'm going to introduce you to two people on our panel. We're waiting for a third. She hasn't joined yet, but let's start out with introducing you to first up, I'll tell you, we have Josh Marti, M-A-R-T-I. He's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Point Inside. Very interesting. And he'll tell us about his company. Joining him on the panel is a regular here on the series, Dave Katona, Director of Market Enablement for the American at SAP Startup Focus, and we're hoping to be joined by Kathy Hahn, CEO and co-founder of 42 Technologies. Kathy, is uh, she will be here. She's delayed, and we're waiting for her. So we're going to start off with the quote that Josh Marti at Point Inside has sent me. Interestingly enough, he sent me a quote from a gentleman named Robert Kay, and I was looking and looking and looking. Who is Robert Kay? Couldn't find him on Wikipedia. Couldn't find him among the 332 Robert Ks on LinkedIn. And so I said, who is he? Well, this is charming. Robert Kay was Josh Marti's grandfather, and this 
gentleman, Mr. K, was asked to be president of Boeing in 1968 and declined the position in a letter to Boeing. And here is the quote. This is remarkable. He said, take actions that will stand the test of time as having been the correct ones and not merely the expedient ones. Josh Marty, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. This is a Thank quite you for pleasure. joining us. Oh, we're so glad. Love the quote. Who was this Robert Kay? He must have been, uh, as people in my neighborhood say, a macha. He must have been a man among men to be offered the position of president of Boeing. Tell us a little background, please. Yeah, he, so he, Boeing was obviously a little bit smaller back in uh, 1968. Point and Side's actually in Seattle, co-located with Boeing. So uh, I have grown up here, and, and it's been a great area for innovation. And he uh, was a military man and uh, did a lot of World War II activity, came back, worked for the company, and became very much a company man. But at some point around 68, when he was escalated to that uh, role, he decided to focus more on his family, which I think was, was an important, you know, we all were the benefactors of that decision. But he wrote a rather lengthy letter saying that, you know, it wasn't that he didn't aspire to be the president, but that he uh, wanted, he really liked what he was doing. And, and the things that he was creating for Boeing, he thought were having a greater impact than uh, being president. So he talked about the people that he led and the decisions he had to make. Um, and so he just wanted them to know that, you know, it wasn't like he was backing away from the job. He actually, in fact, thought he could make more of a difference on the ground. And perhaps maybe that was some of his military achievement. Um, when it comes to kind of our topics and bricks mm-hmm. and clicks and things like that, I think the quote very much is a, an early version of uh, what Steve Jobs would say, which is, you know, trying to make a dent in the universe. And I, I think that most of the dents in the universe are not... Uh, done in small, kind of ad hoc, quick decision ways. I think they're very deliberate, and they take a long time to develop. And so most of what we do uh, is try to think and, and play the long game. So we're very patient at point and side, which I think you have to be if you're dealing with uh, retail. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, retail is an interesting, I'll use the word beast, hopefully that doesn't offend anybody. Interesting beast, it's an interesting organism, and we, we're going to be speaking a lot more about it. That's our main topic today. By the way, if anybody's wondering what the title of this episode, it's The Startup Mindset, Whither, W-H-I-T-H-E-R, that's one of Christina Sosa's favorite words, and she sent me the title, Whither Main Street, Rescuing Brick and Mortar in the Online e-commerce era. So Josh, thank you for kicking us off. And we are now joined by Kathy Hunt, CEO and co-founder of 42 Technologies. And Kathy has sent me uh, also a remarkable quote. This one is from Mr. Rogers. Any of you old enough to remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, 1968 to 2001. I didn't realize he was on TV after the the new millennium. That's crazy. Uh, Fred Rogers, full name, Fred McFeely Rogers, lived from 1928 to 2004. He was an American TV personality famous for creating, hosting, and composing the theme music for the educational preschool TV series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which featured his, I want to cry, I remember him so well from my kids, his kind-hearted, gentle, soft-spoken personality, but he was also very direct to audiences. And here's the quote Kathy has selected. Often when you think you're at the end of something, you're at the beginning of something else. Kathy Hahn, Happy New Year. How are you? Welcome back. Hey. How are you, Bonnie? Thanks so much for having me back on the show. I'm really excited to be here. 
Fine. I'm going to ask Michael to make your audio a little bit louder. I'm having a little trouble hearing you. You sound a little bit far away, almost like you're on a speaker. So, Michael, if you could just boost or drop for me, please. Okay, it's up. Okay. So, Kathy, talk a little bit closer to your to your speaker. Kathy, talk to me. Are you? You're, you're probably way too young to remember Fred Rogers, are you? <laughs> there I, you go. I think the, the, well, the thing that I really love about this quote is, like you mentioned, he's very direct to audiences, and I think it's amazing that he can always find opportunity and ways to make you know kind of kids who are in the main audience feel better about themselves, but it almost has that Disney layer where it definitely applies to adults as well. Um, and I thought this was a really great quote to kind of kick off the year because change is really hard and, you know, going into a new year, people are always ready to change, but it's definitely not easy to drop something that you're so used to. Um, I thought it was relevant to, you know, kind of the show that we have ahead as well in terms of looking at, you know, when something wraps up, you have the opportunity to pursue something else. But I remember my parents used to tell me this when I was younger as well, is that sometimes you have to give up the old thing for the new thing because otherwise you'll have either, you know, no space in your room or no, you know, kind of space in your mind to think about uh, and pursue what's new. Um, so really this quote's about not being afraid of change and really pursuing the changes and um, everything that the new year has to offer with a full heart and full mind. Very interesting. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, that was very almost poetic and, and prophetic of you as well. I, I just get a kick out of the fact that your parents quoted this to you and, uh, and that it just surprises me. Some of the sources of the quotes our panelists send us on all of our Game Changer series, always an education for me and, and how you can take a quote that's Oh, kind of colloquial, and it's something that people hear maybe in a kids' TV show like this or in a movie, and there is always a life applicability to it and a business applicability very often. Thank you, Kathy, and, and glad you could join us. Rounding out the panel, Dave Katona. At, he's just supposed to be Dave at SAP Startup Focus, so I won't repeat his title. Dave has sent us a quote from Jeff Bezos, Jeffrey Preston Jorgensen, Aha! Born on January 12, 1964. You all know who he is, an American technology and retail entrepreneur and investor. He's the founder, chairman, and chief executive officer of Amazon.com, which became the world's largest online shopping retailer. So we've got the word retailer in there. We've got online. We're thinking e-commerce. We're thinking everything. The company started as an internet merchant of books. I remember that. And expanded to a broad variety of products and services, most recently video streaming and audio streaming. Amazon.com is currently the world's largest internet sales website on the World Wide Web. Here's the quote. If you do build a great experience, customers tell each other about that. Word of mouth is very powerful. Dave Katona, Happy New Year to you. How are you? Just fine. Happy New Year, Bonnie. It's great to be Thank here. Thank you. Talk to me. Talk to me. Jeff Bezos. And uh, How is this word of mouth? How is this going to help our retailers in, in terms of making that leap from brick and mortar to online and, and back into brick and mortar? Well, I, after just coming back from uh, uh, the National Retail Federation uh, annual show with both uh, Kathy and uh, Josh uh, and spending uh, really a, almost an entire week in New York, uh, looking and, and speaking with uh, a number of retailers, uh, it really struck me uh, w- with this show uh, today about really that word of mouth is so powerful in today's market, and it's really about uh, people talk about you know uh, you know what is your you know social strategy 
uh, in social campaigning and it's really how quickly word of mouth travels. And when you have a great experience and it, whether or not it's a, everything from a Yelp review to somebody posting something, word of mouth travels so quickly. And having that excellent customer experience just you know, it, it's it's either going to be a great thing or having a bad customer experience is going to just really kill your business. And it's one of the things that I think that uh, uh, Amazon has always done very well. And I think Jeff is just really focused on, you know, Amazon's business. And one-click purchasing is so addictive. And it's one of those things that he has really crafted so well uh, from an Amazon, you know, online buying experience, Prime, uh, 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 shipping, and that's addictive. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything around, you know, his philosophy really goes into that buying experience. And that's one of the things that I really respect him for. And coming back from that and looking at my, you know, personal experience in brick-and-mortar shopping, it's really, you know, when I talk to my friends, it's like, oh, I went to this store. You know, I like to go to this retailer. Uh, I re- will never forget. And uh, uh, since Josh uh, lives up in Seattle, the first time I walked into a Nordstrom store uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area and had probably one of the best shopping experiences ever and realized mm. that, hey, I can get my shoes shined. At you know, at a department store, it was the first time wow. ever in my life I had seen that. I started telling my friends that. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. the word of mouth starts to carry, and it's one of the things that I, I think that is just you know fundamental, uh, and especially in today's market. Yes, uh, focusing on that that special experience that that people actually talk about that draws you in, and getting beyond just fast delivery. You know, and excellent execution. It's really got to be that special experience that people talk about. Very interesting. And, and Dave, I have to add to that that in our age of social social media, everybody becomes a spokesperson for their own thoughts, their own experiences, their own brand, if you will. People are yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs on Instagram and Pinterest. What do they like? What don't they like? They're on Twitter. They're on LinkedIn. They're on Facebook. You see it every day. The opinions are just screaming and streaming out of people's fingertips, out of their mouths. So word of mouth, I think, is so much more amplified because of the prevalence of everybody climbing on board the social media bandwagons, plural. What do you think of that, Dave? Agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not, not just around, you know, about sitting around the table telling your friends. It's like yes. it travels instantly. Especially the, the negative. We, I think of Yelp. I was going out uh, with another couple. A friend of mine and I met, went, met another couple for dinner, and we were discussing, ended up debating what restaurant to try. And I said, well, there's a great uh, Mediterranean restaurant up the street, and they have several locations on Long Island. The food is always good, great service. And they said, no. And I said, why? And they said, no. And I said, why? And they said, well, we read 32 negative re- results, re- negative reports on Yelp. And I said, but I've been to this place. I like it. It's good. They said, we don't care. 32 negative Yelp reviews is too much for us. Overwhelmingly, it's not a good place. We have to pick someplace else. I was absolutely shocked because here I was a person who had experienced that restaurant. I had a positive review, but because the, Dave, can I say it, the naysayers, the complainers, they had taken to Yelp and they were overwhelming the quote-unquote airwaves or whatever we're going to call them with their opinion and people we're listening. So there's, I think that's a very, uh, probably not uncommon example of what you're saying. You agree with that, Dave? Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, dangerous waters out there for, for retailers in any way. So let's circle back. Uh, Josh Marty is going to be first because we open with him and Kathy, your second, and then Dave, our new order. Josh Marty, where are you calling from? This is the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today, but we love to know where are you right now because of the crazy weather. What's the weather? Because I'll tell you what we're doing here in New York. And what are you drinking right now or what did you have over the holidays that was really special? Josh? Yeah, yeah, so I'm up in uh, Seattle. We're actually in Bellevue, which is just right outside across the lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, this time of year is is actually beautiful. I, a lot of people think of Seattle as raining a lot, but that's only because it rains for a very short time uh, once a day. And so we actually don't get as much rain as Pittsburgh and other places, And so, but we, we kind of keep that a, a little hidden secret. And so it's nice and uh, brisk out. It's probably 42 degrees somewhere in that ballpark, and it's clear, and it's going to be a beautiful day. So I'm super excited. My drink, or what's in my cup, is, is kind of a, a fun little story. So I have four daughters, um, all of which are, I'm sure, going to become shoppers one day, and they all range from 6 to 12 years old. And we had a birthday yesterday for the oldest Ooh. one. And I thought, okay, they asked me to make a dessert. And so I went in and kind of saw what ingredients I had. And so I decided to make a uh, banana split shake. And I I thought that sounded like a good idea. And so I mixed all of the things (laughs) together, including the maraschino cherry and the whipped cream and everything (laughs) into one a uh, giant shake and poured it out, and I frankly, I've I've been batting, you know, a thousand uh, so far in terms of making good shakes, but this one was horrible, and so I passed it out with reluctance, and I got two takers, which was good. Um, but the mm-hmm. the thing that I realized, or I was reminded of, is that you know, more doesn't always mean more. Less oftentimes means more. And uh, I think that's very much true with everything that we do, uh, both at work and uh, retailers need to think of this too. You, You really can't provide, you know, the kitchen sink type experiences. They need to be kind of perfect and and on spot as Dave mentioned you know you need to do the things that are kind of the surprise and delight uh, yet expected from you like shining your shoes or mm-hmm. uh, tailoring your suit for free you know if you're at Nordstrom and so Yes. It was a, it was yet another mistake that I will learn from, and uh, my daughter that had the birthday was nice enough to let me off the hook, but uh, that that's what's currently in my cup, and um, I'm a better man for it. Ah, oh, and he admits it. That's a charming story. Which it was the birthday you said. Which which age was having the birthday yesterday? It was my oldest, so she turned from eleven 12? to twelve, which is a little oh. bit of a rite of passage, I imagine. It's a big rite of passage, Papa. So, okay, get used to it. It's teen, it's tween, it's OMG. Really? That's where she is right now. Well, you're a brave man. Thank you very much, Josh. Charming story. And now let's turn to Kathy Hahn. Kathy, where? Oh, by the way, what you said the weather was great. So I'm going to ask Kathy first. Kathy, where are you? What's your weather and what are you drinking? Or what did you have over the holidays, Kathy? So I'm in San Francisco right now, and it is uh, seasonal winter rain, but we've had rainbows or double rainbows the last two days, so that's kind of a uh, highlight on kind of the gloomy weather we've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, I actually had this really interesting drink over Christmas. So one of our um, really great friends got married in Sri Lanka. We went to Sri Lanka for her wedding, and there was something in Sri Lanka called wood apple juice. It is probably one of the most terrible things I've ever had. (laughs) If you ever get the chance to try it, be warned. It's got this, like, fermented and sour and kind of, like, bitter taste to it. And 
It was definitely one of those things where you try it and you're like, yeah, this is an acquired taste that the locals have that you probably won't develop for another five years or so. So I thought that was uh, that's probably the most interesting drink I've had all of uh, last year. So that wow. I warn anyone listening. <laughs> Kathy, <laughs> I just googled it. I just googled wood apple juice. There's a food.com has a wood apple juice recipe which we're not going to talk about. Uh, there's another <laughs> another another website called anediblemosaic.com, and they talk yeah. about wood apple juice. Add the wood apple pulp and one and a half cups of water to a medium bowl and stir, mashing the pulp with a fork to combine well. Cover with plastic and refrigerate eight hours. I don't know. I see pictures of it, and it looks charming. They have wood apple juice on womenfitness.net recipes. Uh, they have it on sweet and spices, blog spot. Oh, it's all a family oven, uh, woodwork ear, Venus kitchen. It's all over the place. So I always say to our listeners is at your own risk. Right, Kathy? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. We'll just uh, leave that one alone. experience. <laughs> I bet. What would you rather have been drinking? Well, so the other thing that we had that was amazing, Sri Lanka is an island, so they have a lot of tropical fruits. So basically every single day for every single meal, we always ordered mango juice, passion fruit juice, papaya juice, or whatnot, and it's great. They make it without water, so they just take the fruits and they blend it. And uh, mm. the first couple of days, I just thought the fruits were so much more amazing on the tropical island until I realized a couple of days later when one of the, the waiters asked us if we wanted sugar added in, and then I realized mm. that the juices just taste really good because they added in a lot, a lot of sugar syrup. So mm. also replicatable at home, but this one uh, tastes slightly better and depends on the amount of sugar you add in, you can create your own tropical taste. It's always true. depends on how much sugar you add. No comment. Dave Katona, place, weather, drink. Talk to me. Uh, it's a little bit cloudy and drizzly here in uh, Palo Alto today. And I uh, just finished uh, drinking some lovely chai tea, so uh, which I'm 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 I'm, t- I'm starting to drink more and more of because it's been cold and rainy in Northern California. So one of the, one of the things I like to partake of once in a while. Very nice. So we had a panelist on a show an hour ago who loves chai latte, and uh, yeah, so chai is one of our theme drinks today on Game Changers Radio. In case, well, Josh doesn't know me, but Kathy and Dave do. They don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. And today's a doubleheader. We had uh, the season opener of, uh, what was it? Social Selling with Game Changers is now changing the game with Social Selling. We debuted the opening of season three. And here we are with season umpteen on uh, Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. I have a cool, clear glass of cool, clear water with a pink straw because I'm tired of this oopy, goopy, gloomy rain out here. I'm on Long Island, New York. I think we dodged the nor'easter. I know it hit up and down the coast uh, Atlanta and D.C. and I think New Jersey got it, the New Jersey store. We never got the flooding, but interestingly enough, there was a bloop at around 3.09 this morning. And that meant the power had gone off in the building where I live. And then at 3.16, bloop, and the power came back up. And so when I woke up, the stove needed to be reset, the clock and the microwave, the computers needed to be turned on and off, of course. The phone was out of charge, the, the desk phone and all that good stuff. So, yes, we had a little tiny 10-minute power outage, but not too bad when you consider all the damage. So we're tired of the rain here in New York, the powers that be listen up. We're talking about a very interesting topic today here on Startup Focus, the startup mindset with our Main Street 
Rescuing Brick and Mortar in an Online Commerce Era. We're going to be talking about commerce versus e-commerce. We're going to be talking about the fate and the status and the state of brick and mortar. What is their future? How creative do they need to be to do business or to reflect business back to the website if they want to be mostly an e-commerce or shall we just say online era company that excels in the bottom line. We're speaking today with Josh Marty, CEO and co-founder of Point Inside. When we come back, I'm going to ask him to tell us a little bit about his company, The Elevator Pitch. Josh, what would you say if we were in an elevator for 60 seconds? What does Point Inside do? Kathy Hahn, CEO and co-founder of 42 Technology. She's been on before, but we're going to ask her a little bit about her company, Dave Katona at SAP Startup Focus. And then when we find out who they are, we are going to dive into our roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Michael out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit W www.sap.com With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. And we're back, and I want to tell everyone, if you'd like to follow the flow of what we're saying, the tweets are being are happening now from me and Christina Sosa and Voice America, and I think we have some other people here tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. That spells S-A-P radio, and that's where we love to tweet. So I'm capturing the words of wisdom of our panelists, and you can follow along. If you have any questions or comments, join us there. So we're going to do a little bit of who are you and what does your company have to do with retail success uh, from the standpoint of being a startup. So Josh Marty, Point Inside, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, please? Yeah, so Point Inside was a startup that was founded in 2009 uh, with the premise of kind of being the Google Maps for the indoor world. And ultimately, we pivoted the company in about 2012 to be solely focused on the top 100 North American retailers. And the problem we solve is... Really, uh, shoppers go into a retail setting, a physical retail setting, and ask two questions. One is, do you have the item I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. And two is, where can I find it? And so if you've ever walked into a Lowe's or a Target and and gotten lost or tried to wander around to find a product, you can now look 
at the mobile application from Target or from Lowe's, and inside of the application, they have a map of all of the products. And so we offer that service as well as store-specific search, which allows the shopper to narrow down their search to just the products that are in that store. And, and the kind of thesis behind that is my wife didn't drive all the way to the store, park in the parking lot, and walk through the store doors so that she can execute an online transaction. Uh, she's actually trying to take something out of the store that day. And so you really want an experience that um, enhances that as well as makes it a lot more convenient because, you know, it's oftentimes about saving time and saving money. And so, you know, the mobile phone is very important in that play. And we offer a range of services uh, that are all SaaS-based services or hosted for our retail partners to draw maps from, to draw searches from, um, and they embed those all over the, the different retail platforms they have from employee associate applications to the consumer-facing application to merchandising information. We even print labels in some cases um, mm-hmm. so that they can take the product straight from the uh, back of the truck as it arrives straight to the location in the aisle. And so we're very much a... Um, physically-minded company. We're more on the BRICS side of BRICS and clicks, And, uh, you know, I think the reason why is, is that 98% comment you said. You know, the majority of uh, revenue, for our partners anyways, is definitely coming from people that are, that are store-bound. Thank you, Josh. Very interesting. It's so important to know where things are. And I remember wandering around the local store, brick and mortar of some major national retailers and not finding a single person to tell me where something was. This was a two-floor site where there was a main floor that was huge. I went downstairs because I thought that's where the product was, searched high and low. Ten minutes later, I spied at the Opposite corner, Josh, diagonal to the far end of the store, somebody in the sports shoe department. I'm not naming the retailer. Sports shoe department wandering into the stock room carrying a couple boxes of shoes. And I yelled in my most polite yell, hello, can you help me? And he reluctantly turned around and said, I'll be back in a couple minutes. That's all I got. Josh, that's horrible, right? That is horrible. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not what we want. And you know, it's good if you at least had a safety device such as your mobile phone where you can kind of get that help. But um, clearly, having uh, the right amount of labor and having them effective is also part of retail execution. The CEO of Walmart at one point said that they were measuring some of the uh, Walmart shopping trips from their shoppers at two miles in the store. And um, he even thought, you know, that that's just too much. And so, you know, part of that is uh, a store sizing issue, which the whole industry is correcting for now. Uh, but the other part of that is, you know, I imagine at least a half a mile of that is, is completely uh, unnecessary. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And fascinating what you do, and I'm sure they appreciate you. Kathy Hahn, 42 Technologies CEO and co-founder, and you say your company is a Y Combinator-backed data analytics company. Kathy, what's your relationship to retailers, brick-and-mortar, e-commerce? Talk to me. Yeah, so we help retailers answer the most pressing questions about their business. So if you were a retailer or a brand and say you want to find out how many sweaters you sold in size medium last season, that's a very difficult question to answer because at a very minimum, you might have your e-commerce store, you might have your retail locations, and then you have your wholesale partners like the Bloomingdale's, Macy's, Nordstrom's of the world. And then if I wanted an answer 
through a simple question, I would have to go to all three different sources and then pull data from there separately and try to combine it, which wouldn't be a problem if I only had one question. But if you think about the way that retailers work, they're constantly asking, you know, what styles are doing well, what sizes are doing well, what locations are selling what. And so we basically give them an overview of all of these different things um, and a web platform where they can go and answer all the questions about their businesses. Very interesting as well. Thank you, Kathy. And and Dave, you said you were at NRF with these two. What was happening at NRF last week or, or when was it? Uh, it was last week, yeah. Lots of great stuff. And uh, we at SAP had a, a, a small footprint of a, a almost 5,000 square foot booth really showing off a lot of uh, innovations uh, focused really on, uh, you know, what I call truly, you know, clicks to bricks uh, capabilities uh, with both of uh, uh, our partners that are that are on the uh, the show today. Um, and it really comes down to um, our focus on trying to meld those two worlds. And it's it's interesting having, you know, both uh, uh, Josh and, and Kathy on today because we're really seeing that struggle um, between those online, you know, focus areas mm-hmm. and the retailers trying to really bridge that gap, take advantage of it, and execute effectively. And this is this is something that we we see every day within our uh, SAP customer base, and that's one of the reasons our startup partners are so important because we see gaps all over the place, and people are are really starting to take notice. Uh, and it, it comes down to, and I, I reflect all the time, and really appreciate how much you know uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon has helped you know over the years you know transform the market. Um, and really driven people to really, you know, focus on online. But the retailers are really starting to realize that they really need to meld those two worlds together in, in a proper manner. Thank you, Dave. Great insights. And now I'm looking at, let's see if we can pick up one uh, talking point from each of your set of roundtable statements the, the panelists sent me. So, Josh, Marty, let's start with yours. I'm going to read the topic, have you comment, then we'll get Kathy in for about a minute and a half, then Dave, then we'll wrap that up and we'll pick one from Kathy and then one from Dave. So, Josh Marty told me in, a, in his notes before the show, he said, you wouldn't try to run your e-commerce experience without the use of cookies. So, why are you running your in-store digital experience without the shopper's location. Wow, interesting. Josh, and I think a lot of people think they're allergic to cookies. So uh, maybe they're allergic to big brother, big sister. Where are you? What aisle are you in? And where are you shopping today? So talk talk about the implications of this, Josh. Yeah, so we all know that retailers for the last 10 years have very much focused on the online experience. And uh, as Dave mentioned, they're all trying to follow the leader in the space, which is Amazon. And so that, that means, you know, the high degree of convenience around one click. That means the high degree of personalization around uh, product recommendations. Uh, that means, you know, quick shipping, having products just in stock shown to you. Um, so it's a very important experience to match, and they've spent 10, 12, 13 years, you know, trying to invest in e-commerce platforms, and yet it's only yielded the 2% that we talked about in, in total overall sales. Now, now it's growing, uh, but the growth rate is actually shrinking. So there is a limit to uh, what they're going to get out of the online platform. The, the key is that we are all trained around those best and 
practice uh, experiences on the online side. And so when I go into a store, it would be ideal if everything was as easy as one click. Um, but unfortunately, you know, products aren't one click away when they're in the store. They are, you know, several feet away. And so what we've said is in order to mat- kind of match, or at least what I'm saying as a thesis is, in order to match this high degree of Amazon capability, you need the equivalent of cookies uh, inside of the physical store. And so for a while, we wondered kind of what that was going to be. It could be the searches that you had uh, when you were in the store. It could be um, potentially just products that you looked at or coupons that you clipped. But ultimately, what we settled on was that really cookies, you know, as long as they're anonymized, they do the service of narrowing down all of the different, you know, 75,000 products that are in a particular store down to the 14 or 15 that you might care about. Um, and so that's really what we're talking about with shopper location. We're not talking about tracking the shopper in some big brother kind of way. What we're trying okay. to do is narrow the massive amount of uh, information inside of a store down to the things that, you know, for instance, my wife cares about. It, it also is convenient to uh, see a blue dot on a map. And we were a little bit astonished when we ran our first trials of showing people uh, a map and mm-hmm. where products were located on that map. The first feedback we got was, where am I on this map? And so it's, it's not a it's actually not a privacy thing. It's very much a convenience thing. And so we've, we've now gone all in on you know, having a blue dot on a map as well as using that blue dot to personalize or enhance your shopping journey. And then the benefit of that is obviously a lot of analytics and the analytic data that the retailer can use to then run their business. And so for, for us, it's been you know, uh, something that we've kind of been having a lot of success with for the last uh, couple of years, and I think you're seeing it take off more and more as the blue dot becomes more and more accurate, um, as well as uh, just kind of the experience becomes better. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Kathy Hunt, 42 Technologies, love to get your brief thoughts on what Josh just shared. Agree, disagree, Kathy? I think there's two sides to this argument, one for the shopper and the other on behalf of the company. So as the company, it's obviously very beneficial to have more information here and whatnot. On the shopper side, I think you're either coming in to browse and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of just look around at different products or you're looking for something specific. And it might be more useful in the latter scenario, Um, particularly if you think about actual shopping behavior and you're just in the store browsing around for something, it might be less likely that you track yourself, you know, kind of going through the store the whole time. Um, but if you're trying to be efficient, then you may be able to go in and find exactly what you're looking for, like you mentioned before, Bonnie, when you were looking for something. So I think it's mm-hmm. definitely more useful for the shoppers in certain scenarios than others. Thank you. Yeah, Very. I think, yeah, I, go ahead. I, mm-hmm. I think Kathy's right um, on that because what we see is that they're generally, shoppers are generally only using these applications when they are on some sort of uh, guided mission, if you will. They don't, um, you know, it's kind of similar where you might sit down and browse um, Amazon, but usually you only use Amazon if you have something that is specific in mind. And so Kathy's 100% right in the sense that we only see use uh, of a lot of these features when somebody's on a shopping trip or journey um, where they actually have, you know, some intended uh, destination to go to and thing to pull out of the store. 
Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Kathy. Dave Katona, love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Yeah, and I, it's really interesting because I, I, I see, especially uh, in working with and knowing uh, Point Inside now, um, it, it really comes down to moving beyond what I call, you know, everybody's been obsessed with, you know, mobility, mobility, you know, mobile's really important to Point Inside is really gives you the power of being what I call a, a shopping Sherpa. Uh, to help you really make the most efficient use of your time and your shopping experience. And th- there are uh, occasions where you, er- everyone, I-, I find myself more and more doing research online before mm-hmm. I set foot in a store, even if I'm going to go browse. It gets down to everything from Pinterest to, you know, really everything online about, you know, the latest trends in fashion and things like that and being the more educated buyer before you even step into the store. And so browsing is a very, you know, natural, what I call an organic experience if you go into a fashion retailer, for example, um, which, which I totally understand. However, we find ourselves more and more educated online before we even step into that, you know, that, that brick-and-mortar experience. And so, and I think that the retailers are, you know, understand that to a certain degree, which is why they're presenting the products, understanding the fact that people are looking online, at least, and placing those products within specific categories. And I always, you know, refer to Pinterest as a prime example where Pinterest started as, is really a social community where I find product placement more and more and more from the retailers within Pinterest, um, where there's this, this you know, sort of uh, what I call almost you know commercialized synergy between the two. So, yes, you know, to some degree, yeah, it is this organic experience. The retailers need that data. You know, you want to browse, but I, I, I see really the the melding of the two in, in some cases, and it gets down to the size uh, of the store, the, the specific, you know, target market, uh, and, you know, w- w- what the experience that the shopper is looking for. You know, you have a high-end, you know, Italian, you know, shoe store, probably not going to need a mobile app to go find something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going into the Target, I'm going to need that shopping Sherpa in my hand, you know, to go get those 170 items I'm going to be putting in my, in, in, you know, my shopping cart. From, so, from your it, lips to the, the retailer's uh, ears, thank you very much, and their hearts. And, thank you, Dave. And Bonnie, if I can just yeah, confirm that sure. real quick, because it's, it's mm-hmm. an important point that David's making, which is we actually see that 82% of the, the mobile application usage comes from outside the store. And so mm-hmm. um, I think oftentimes people think it's all in-store. They're actually pulling up the maps so that they can get a kind of a mental comfort with the fact that the product is there in the store, where it's located, planning out their journey. Um, and so it is definitely an important point. It's, it goes to kind of what Kathy was saying, which is, you have all these signals going on around you as a retailer. How do you kind of harness them? Well, one of the things that they need to get better at and that, you know, companies like 42 and Point Inside are helping them with is 
looking at the demand side of the curve, not just the, you know, after post sale side of the curve. So you really want to look at what's the intent? What am I trying to do? Uh, not just simply what is happening based on sales. And so um, two very important points that Dave's kind of bringing up. Thank you very much, all. And I think that wraps up that topic. Kathy Hahn, we are running out of time. I want to make sure I get to a couple of yours. Kathy, I'm pulling out four of the headlines, if you will, that you sent me. I think they go together, and then I'd like you to expand it. Number one, you say mm-hmm. brick-and-mortar locations are key to building true customer loyalty. Number one. Number two, you say at a foundational level, retail is about creating desire for people to buy. Number three, you say there needs to be consistency between brick-and-mortar store and online, but not necessarily the same experience. And then four, going back to loyalty, you say online retail is growing but is not sustainable in the long run without a customer loyalty strategy. So, Kathy, let's talk about the experience and the loyalty. I think loyalty is your theme and the desire to buy. So, Kathy, why don't you give me an overview of how this all pulls together, please? I think the first point, especially about building loyalty and having an experiential differentiation is something that we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years and it's something that we feel pretty strongly about. In particular, what I mean by this is I think you should go in with the assumption that consumers are smart first off. So if you're online and you're just shopping across different websites, price sensitivity becomes a much bigger issue. And if you're a single brand and you list across a lot of different websites and I find your same item on Neiman Marcus, but I can get a 15% sign-up discount or something like that, then I have no attachment to buying from your site versus from Neiman Marcus. So there's a lot of things that come into play when you're online, such as, you know, how quickly can I get the shipped? What is the total price that I'll be paying as a consumer? Does it actually matter? And who holds the stock of the sizes? Um, that is drastically different from, you know, when you walk into a store and then maybe I went in to buy a particular shirt and then that shirt is not in in my size. But then some store associate can come by and say, you know, based on the style, I think you would also like something else here. That's a totally different experience. I think one of the examples I refer back to when we talk about why online it's difficult to build loyalty long-term for online, off-price is one of the fastest-growing categories in retail, and that's something that we talk about. If you look at one of the most successful online off-price retailers, it was Gilt. Gilt had almost the most Mm. perfect experience to the point where they had to come back and reintroduce friction into the experience because it was so perfect that, you know, consumers were buying too quickly. And so I think... (laughs) Dave Katona, let's go to some of your talking points here. Um, let's see. Let me read a couple, Dave, and I'll have you pick and choose what you'd like to talk about because we have to go to our predictions in about four minutes. So you say, number one, retail experiences are changing rapidly. We've established that. Number two, you say the Amazon model has pressurized, pressured retailers to rethink their brick-and-mortar strategies, and mobility still drives transformation of traditional retailers. Dave, why don't you tell us? Sure, and, and, and this gets down to, um, you know, it, it, Amazon uh, is uh, piloting a, a, a new type of a, a convenient, uh, really small grocery store called Amazon Go, where you can simply walk into the store, mm-hmm. pick up an item off the shelf, put it in your, your bag, and walk out. And you're literally, your whole shopping experience there's no cashiers. There's no cash registers. You literally walk in, and it's. I, I, I would think the shopping experience at, at first would almost feel like you're shoplifting, but it's a seamless wow. <laughs> buying experience. And I, I've, I, if you watch the video, it's it's really interesting, and you can like. 
take it off, you know, put it back on the shelf, and it literally will, will, will keep track of everything um, as, as you put it in your, your shopping bag or shopping cart. And what they've also done is they've also, you know, they started off as, a, as an online book retailer. They've also opened up brick-and-mortar bookstore, which, which I find fascinating. But what, what they're doing, uh, in addition to that, they've also patented a, a floating airship drone distributor warehouse, you know, that's going to float in the sky someday. But what they're really doing is is kind of moving away from a pure digital model and a brick-and-mortar model, which is really interesting. So even, you know, Amazon sees the value of having a, what I call a true footprint, you know, on the ground. And it's I find it very interesting that they, you know, they see that being for so long a true, you know, online retailer. And this whole factor of mobility, and I get down to, you know, looking at Point Insight as a, as a, and, and mobility really needing to be that, 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 that shopping Sherpa of having all that information and to the point that Josh summarized and that it's not just about when I'm at the store, but it's before getting all that information before I even arrive, um, being able to have the retailer know all that information about what is it that the shoppers are going to want and need, me knowing about what it is I'm going to be interested in and aligning those two things so we both collide and have a great, you know, I have a great experience, buying experience uh, when I arrive at that brick-and-mortar store. And that's really what it's all about. Streamlining, you know, having that great experience, and, you know, that, that's, what, that's where good things happen, and that's, that, that's really what I think the value of, of having that, you know, click-to-brick, you know, uh, mashup is, is going to, where, where magic is really going to happen. Thank you. And speaking of magic's going to happen, we are at the point in the show where we need to do our one-minute predictions for each. Kathy Hahn, glad you're back. You, you, I was saying, oh, because I was remarking on what you had said, and you said, oh, and the next thing you know, you were gone. So I hope, I hope my oh <laughs> didn't scare baffle. your... I hope, I hope I oh didn't scare your phone line into saying bye bye. So we're we're glad to have you back. So um, this is a really big topic. We've just barely scratched the surface, but let's proceed to our predictions because we only have about four and a half minutes left till we have to leave the show. So Josh Marty at Point Inside, I'd love for you to give us your predictions. I'm kind of keen on the year 2020. Somebody pointed out to me recently it's only three New Year's Eves away. I guess we could plan our bottles that way. So uh, Josh, love to have you give us your predictions what would change about this topic in the next three years or after 2020 prediction 60 seconds josh marty go yeah i think this is exclusively around for me anyways uh this this prediction is around just the the top 100 retailers people that are you know um 10 billion dollars or more in gross revenue and and the prediction i have is that in order for them to compete uh with all of the digital um, brothers and sisters that have, you know, a great e-commerce strategy, they've got to start indexing or digitizing their store. And so I've, I've wondered, how are they going to pull that off? And the reality is 
they need to treat every single product that's on the shelf like a website. They need to understand the engagement mm. that the shopper is having with that particular location and that brand. Uh, they need to understand the demand side, the, uh, how well it's selling. They need to understand the distribution across their nationwide chain. Uh, but in particular, they need to be able to do that on a daily basis. And so it's the equivalent of being able to keep track of all of your websites um, and all of the web pages. And it's a really hard task to do. So what I think you're going to see is before 2020, you're going to see a company emerge or a few retailers uh, in lead positions where somehow, and I'm not sure how, Every night, they're able to scan the shelves um, and figure out the you know, inventory status and facing status of their products um, and set themselves up for digital business the next day. And I think that's, you know, I, I don't know how yet, but I know with big partners, um, like all the things I saw at the SAP booth, there's got to be a way to solve those problems. Thank you very much. I hear some optimism in there and also a challenge and perhaps some frustration. Thank you, Josh. Kathy Hahn, 42 Technologies. I can give you also one minute for your predictions. What do you see coming down the pike, Kathy? I think for the brick-and-mortar shops, there's going to be three big points. Number one, I don't think stores are going anywhere in the short or the long term. I think the format will change a lot. So department store traffic has gone down in the last couple of years and specific format stores are opening up more. So it's just going to be smaller footprint with more concentration or larger footprint like a TJ Maxx with more of a discount and a um, kind of uh, more of a messaging for the, the consumers with value. So I think that's what's going to change in stores. Number two, we were talking to a couple of our retail contacts about this, and they said they're investing in looking into RFID. So this is something I think Josh mentioned as well, that they're going to be able to start tracking beginning to end where the products are in the warehouse, how it gets to store, how it's get, you know, getting kind of picked up and shopped around in the store, and then put back on shelf or out the door. And then number three, I think one of the big gaps is probably bringing in all the online intelligence. So let's say you have an e-commerce website or your product is being listed in other places and it's getting reviewed. Um, one of the Macy sessions talked about this, but I think it's seven reviews is the threshold of trust for consumers when you go online. If there's more than seven reviews, you feel like you can buy this product. And I think bringing some of that intelligence into the actual store, having more live and real-time feedback for the products will also help drive more intelligence in the store. So it's not necessarily just, you know, omni-channel isn't the only thing there is. It's not just about tracking people where they are, uh, you know, online and offline, but it's about giving them that knowledge and that experience they would have online in the real store as well. Thank you, Kathy. That was a packed prediction section. And Dave Katona, <laughs> I've got 30 seconds for you, Dave. I think they said a lot, so what do you think? Well, just to sum up, but, but, you know, both of their, uh, you know, chock full of predictions. It all comes down to being able to leverage big data platforms and being able to leverage from RFID to digital maps. It all comes down to being able to leverage big data um, and and do, you know, what what online has done and apply that to brick and mortar. That That's really what it comes down to. I agree with both of them. At the end of it, on the back end, is, is going to be big data and quickly driving innovation into those brick and mortar uh, retailers across the board, whether it's grocery or high-end fashion. Um, that, that's, that's what it's going to take to, to compete in the market. 
Thank you very much. I want to thank the three of you, Josh, Marty at Point Inside. And Josh, please say hello to Patrick for me. He was wonderful in helping us get you set up for the show. Really appreciate it. Kathy Hahn, we got to get you a new phone, lady, before you come back on. Or else we're going to send you to a place with really, really strong connection. Thank you, Kathy. Pleasure. And thanks always for your very, very targeted insights. Uh, very smart lady. And we appreciate it. Dave Katona, always glad to have you on board. Good conversation, all of you. Shout out to Christine. Sosa and Manju Banzal at SAP for renewing this series. Startup Focus was one of our first series way back in the early years. I think it was 2012, 2013. They were on board, took a couple years off, and now they're back very strong. So, Christina, thank you for sending a great topic and assembling a wonderful panel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and tomorrow we'll be back 11 a.m. Eastern with Part 5 of Legal Lessons for Women Business Owners and Other Entrepreneurs, Cleaning Out the Cobwebs and the Dirt in the Corner of the Rug, The Mistakes You Made last year and how to start the new year fresh with your business legal lessons remember that thank you to michael and the business channel team and here is our call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today have a great one bye bye thanks again for tuning in to startup focus with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management.